Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. Amen. Say, I take eyes to see. I take ears to hear. I forgive everybody of everything. I receive supernatural debt cancellation. The Word of God that I'm about to receive will enable me and empower me to make Jesus famous in my everyday life. You may be seated. Open your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 11. Deuteronomy chapter 11. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 7. We'll pick off where we left off last week. I was going to go a little bit further today, but the Holy Ghost, as I was praying last night, told me to take it back and we're going to review a few things and let me know some other things that are going on. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 7. We've been talking about horizon and possessing our promised land and not leaving the promised land and the things God has for us for on the horizon, but crossing the horizon and receiving what God has for us. We talked about last week, heaven on earth, how God wants us to experience heaven before we go to heaven. You know, going to heaven shouldn't be a foreign thing for you. And you get there going, ooh, this is so amazing. Yes, you can have a wild moment, but you should have some wild moments on this earth. The first time you experience heaven shouldn't be when you cross those pearly gates. It should be while you're living on this earth. Deuteronomy chapter 11. Verse 7, but your eyes have seen all the great acts of the Lord which he did. Therefore shall you keep all the commandments which I command you this day, that you may be strong. Say, God wants me to be strong. And go and possess the land. Say, God wants me to possess the land. Where you go to possess it, that you may prolong your days in the land. Say, God wants me to live long. Which the Lord swore unto your fathers to give unto them and to their seed a land that flows with milk and honey. For the land where you go unto to possess it is not as the land of Egypt. Say, the promised land is not like Egypt. From whence you came out where you sowed your seed and water with your foot as a garden of herbs. But the land where you go to possess it is a land of hills and valleys and drinks water of the rain of heaven. So let's say it one more time. Say, the promised land is not like the land of Egypt. We looked at 1 Corinthians 10, 11 in the New American Standard Bible last week. And it said, now these things happen unto them, the Israelites in the wilderness and those going to the promised land, as an example. And they were written for our instruction upon whom the end of the ages have come. So Paul writing in the New Testament after the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus and his ascension is saying we can look at things in the Old Testament and receive instruction from and so we're going to receive some more instruction from this story in the wilderness as they're crossing into the promised land. Say, the promised land is not like the land of Egypt. Go to Exodus chapter 3, verse 6. Exodus chapter 3, verse 6. This is God when he calls Moses to be the deliverer, to lead the people. out of Egypt. Exodus chapter 3, verse 6. And as always, I encourage you to go to our website this week and to the podcast and listen to this message again and again. We put it free online and on the podcast so that you can grow in your faith and receive more from the Word of God. Exodus chapter 3, verse 6. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. See, God is interested in generational blessings. Not stopping with one generation, but taking to the next level for the next generation. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in where? So Egypt was a place of affliction. And I've heard their cry by the reason of their taskmasters. Egypt was a place of slavery. For I know their sorrows. I know their pain. So what does God do? And I am come down 
to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Say, God came down to Egypt. And to bring them up out of that land. We can say, say, and to bring them up out of that land. God came down to bring them up, right? Can everyone see that's not a trick question. Unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and all the other sites. God came down to bring his people up. So Egypt was a low place, but the promised land was a high place. Work with me for a second. Egypt was a sunken place, but the promised land was freedom. Jesus came down to bring his people up. Knowing all this, I have one question for you today. Are you still in the sunken place? Ask your neighbor, are you still in the sunken place? Look at your other neighbor and say, are you still in the sunken place? Find one more neighbor and say, are you afraid of a teacup and a spoon? So God came down to bring them up. Egypt throughout the scripture is a type of the world. A low place for the believer to be, a sunken place. Although God came down to deliver you, are you still living in the sunken place? Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Second Corinthians chapter six. Second Corinthians chapter six, verse fourteen. Second Corinthians chapter six, verse fourteen says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Learning right there, the believer has no business dating the non-believer. Quit missionary dating. It doesn't work. What happens is you're going to be unequally yoked. You get into your feelings, you get into your emotions. And then you marry the unbeliever and think, I can change them. And now you're a partner with hell. Now, I did not say, leave your spouse if they're an unbeliever. I did not say that. Don't say, well, pastors told me to leave. You know, I did not, and it's recorded. <laughs> but if you're still on this dating process or even engaged, you need to get out. Some of y'all marry into the sunken place. You saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, with a mighty burning fire, dancing for the Lord, tithing, seeding, prosperity, healed, healthy, and whole. Then you marry into the sunken place. You don't realize you were ever saved in the first place. See, we said last week you need to come out of Egypt and stop sleeping with Canaanites. God has called us to be holy, not... Some of you were here two weeks ago. Let's try it again. God has called us to be holy, not. God has called us to be holy, not whole like. <laughs> Y'all already know when I come back from conferences, I'm tanked up on a whole nother level. So I'm just, I haven't even gotten into the message yet. It says, for what fellowship, what partnership, what communion has righteousness with unrighteousness? So the believer is supposed to be righteousness. And what communion has light with darkness? The believer is supposed to be light. And what concord has Christ with Belial? The believer here is called Christ. So the believer is not supposed to have a covenant with the devil. Or what part that he that believes with an infidel? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. 
as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them. Or in other words, get out and be ye separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Having therefore the, these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Go to Revelation chapter 18. As you turn there, ask your neighbor, are you still in the sunken place? Some of you are like, Pastor watches too much TV and goes to too many movies. <laughs> Revelation chapter 18, verse 1. Revelation chapter 18, verse 1. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people that you be not partakers of her sins, that you receive not of her plagues, for her sins have reached unto heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Now, when you study the book of Revelation, it is full of symbolism. It applies to the past, the present, and the future. Now, when you look at the city of Babylon in the book of Revelation, it's speaking prophetically of a city in the last days during the tribulation that is spiritually known as Babylon. But when you also look at Babylon throughout the Scripture, it's a type of the world, but also of the systems of the world. And so in this Scripture, the second angel says to God's people, get out of the system of the world. Get out from living like the world so you don't get the world's results. It says the world is about to be judged. God has remembered her sins. Judgment is coming. Wrath is coming. Get out so you don't catch what she's got. That's some of you, a message from God into a relationship. Get out so you don't get what they get. Get out of Egypt. Get out of Babylon. Live set apart. Live separate. Set apart and separate is just another word for holiness. You are called to live set apart. You're not supposed to be just like the world. Because if you look like the world, talk like the world, sound like the world, how will they know there's a difference with your Jesus? Jesus becomes another God, another religious figure. The only way they know Jesus is real because they see transformation in your life. So we're called to live set apart. We're called to be holy. Now understand this. We do not live different because we are better than everybody else. We live different because we understand we are not everybody else. So you make decisions not to do certain things, not because you think you're better. You just understand, I'm not them. Just because they can do things, just because it's legal, doesn't mean I should do it as a believer. So that means not just living by the law of the land, but living by the law of the Spirit. And following what the Word of God says, following the leading you have from the Holy Spirit, and telling him yes, even when the culture says to do something else. Just because everyone is doing it doesn't mean you should do it. It goes back to what our parents should have told us as we're children. Maybe they told you, maybe they didn't. Just because everyone else is doing it, does that mean you're going to do it too? Just because they jumped off a bridge, does that mean you're going to jump off a bridge? Some of y'all said yes. But when it comes to following the things of God, just because the world acts like the devil and gets the devil's results... Are you going to do the same thing just because it's popular? Just because it's with the culture, it's what the culture is doing. 
And if you go along with it, you won't stand out. But the thing is, Christian, you're called to stand out. You're called to be counterculture. You're called to make a difference. You're called to be light in darkness. You have to understand not everyone's going to like you living holy, even if you don't do anything that bothers them. Why? When you go into a dark room and you turn on the light, what's the first thing people do? Cover their eyes. They're not happy to cover their eyes. They're upset because you've messed with their norm, which was darkness. So you start living holy, walking in the light. They're going to recoil back because you're messing with their darkness. You're messing with their demons. They like their demons. They give them pet names. But you walk in the light, they begin to back up. They begin to be concerned. Why are you trying to make me feel bad? I didn't try to make you feel bad. I decided to do something with my life that's different than what you did with yours. I gave my life to Jesus instead of to what you gave it to. And your light disturbs them. Paul talks about this in his writings. You walk with God, it gives off a fragrant scent. To the enemy, it's a fragrant scent of destruction. To the world, it reminds them they will be judged. So don't take it personally just because people persecute you for living right. Live right anyways. Not everybody's going to like you all the time. Get over it. They're not going to like you. That's okay. Because if they always liked you all the time, you might want to question your Christianity. Sometimes they liked Jesus. Sometimes they didn't. Sometimes he was popular. Sometimes he wasn't. You can't be moved by people. You can't be moved by what they say. You can't be moved by what is popular. You have to follow Jesus. Because when it's all said and done, they're not giving judgment. You're not standing before them. You're standing before Jesus. And how dare we get before Jesus, well, I didn't live for you fully because so-and-so said this. Or so-and-so did this. Or, you know, I, you know I, I just gave up on church because someone in church didn't act right. It's like giving up on the gym because someone didn't go lose weight. Well, I gave up on the gym because, you know, I saw a lot of people not fit in the gym. Well, where should, else should they be? We come up with all these crazy excuses to excuse us from living the way we already know. And it's not like you need someone to tell you you're not doing right. You hear it in your spirit, stop doing that. But you decide that I'm going to be okay with my deception, so I'm going to, I don't need anyone else to spin the spoon. I'm going to do it myself and put myself in the sunken place, even though God has already brought you out. Sometimes your biggest enemy is not the enemy, it's you. You become like the children of the Israelites in the wilderness, saying, well, would God, we were still in Egypt. Would God, we were still in Egypt. We just said Egypt was a place of affliction. It was a place of sorrow and pain, and it was a place of slavery. But we keep going, well, I, well, I wish I was in Egypt. At least I had a bigger variety of food in Egypt. At least when I was a slave, I could do this. At least when I was a slave, I could go to the club. At least when I was a slave, I could sleep around. At least when I was a slave, I could look at porn. At least when I was a slave, I could drink alcohol. At least when I was a slave, I could smoke weed. At least when I was a slave, I could cuss people out. At least when I was a slave, I could do all these other things. And you keep trying to be a slave going back to the sunken place, wondering why you don't see the fullness of God's blessing. Saying, I wish I was still a slave. Come on now. God has called us to be different. God has called us to be set apart. God has called us to be light. Let this be a year of fullness where you give God your full yes, where you're not compromising one foot in Egypt, one foot in with God. One foot in Babylon, one foot in holiness. Who will you serve? Because what you're holding on to is keeping you from going into the promised land. And whatever you are still holding on to has become your idol and has become your God. What are you bowing down to every day? You say, well, I'm in church, so I'm bowing down to God. Not necessarily if you're still holding on to Egypt. If you still hold on to Babylon, if you still hold on to the sunken place, you are not bowing down to Jesus. You're bowing down to something else. And let me tell you, we can't save you. Well, they're going to make it legal. And? They may make a lot of things legal so they can tax it and get your money. But it doesn't mean that can save you. Calling up all these people because you're tired and lonely at night. And you get feelings at 3 a.m. 
they can't save you either. So what do you keep turning to? Because it's not just your pet sin, it's your God. It's your favorite deception. So instead of going to the Lord as a strong tower, as a hiding place, you go to that sin. And see, the thing is, people say, oh, it's sin, he turned from sin. But sin is a little bit deeper than that. Go to John 16. Let's look at verse 7. Get out of Egypt. Get out of Babylon. John 16, verse 7. John chapter 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient or it is better for you that I go away. Jesus says, for if I go not away, the comforter, the strengthener, the standby, the helper, the paraclete will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he, the comforter, the strengthener is come, he will reprove, convict, admonish, rebuke the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So why is the Holy Spirit convicting and rebuking people of sin? Of sin because they believe not on me. A root of sin is not believing on or trusting in Jesus. How many of you would say, I believe on Jesus in here? Well, let's see if you really do. As I said, a root of sin is not believing on or trusting in Jesus. A root of stealing is not believing that Jesus can meet your needs. And so, well, I'm not robbing any banks, but let's take it down to the very, very small things. Stealing things from the office because, oh, they won't really need it. I'll take some paper home. I'll take some pants home. Well, pastor, that's not that big of a deal. They got a lot of money. It's still stealing. Or how about this? Paying someone to get their food stamps. Well, pastor, I didn't steal. No, they did. And so you're now a participant of their stealing of their fraud. A root of stealing is not believing that Jesus can meet your needs. A root of sexual immorality is not believing that Jesus can keep you and bring the right person your way for you to marry. A root of that is thinking, well, I have to sleep around to get ahead. I have to sleep around to actually know what the marriage is going to be like. I got to sleep around just so someone will stay with me. That means your faith is in that and not in Jesus. A root of not tithing is not trusting God with your finances. A root of not walking in love and forgiveness is not believing that Jesus cannot protect you and make things right in your life. That you have to do things yourself. You have to get revenge. You have to tell people like how you really feel because you don't believe that Jesus can take care of you. A root of living a prayerless life, not spending time in the Word and not coming regularly to church is not believing that Jesus can take the time you put in and make it worth your while. So my question is, do you really believe on Jesus? If so, your lifestyle has to reflect it. To fully experience heaven on earth, you must fully submit to the will of God. You have to give God your full yes. So as I said, let this be a year of fullness where you give God your full yes. That means not compromising, but living fully for him. Go to Isaiah chapter 1, verse 16. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 16. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 16. Wash you, make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings. From before mine eyes, cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. 
judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If, say if. if. Say if. if. You be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with a sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Now, what land is he speaking of? The promised land. These are several generations later. The people are living in the promised land. They're not doing what God wants them to do. But notice, in order for them to stay in the promised land and experience the best that it had, they had to be willing and obedient. So it wasn't just giving God a yes. It was a type of yes. Because a lot of people, you're hearing this message like, fine, God, I'm going to do what you want me to do. And you storm off like you're a teenager. Come on. That's not the type of yes. That's obedient, but it's not willing. He says you have to be willing and obedient to eat the good of the land. It's hearing, because that word obedient means to hear and obey, as we talked about last week, the Hebrew word shama. So it's hearing and humbly submitting to the will of God. Because there are people, you are obedient. You're living holy. You're doing what God says. But you're not seeing the best because you're not willing. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 28. So you're wondering, why am I still living in the sunken place when I'm doing everything God wants me to do? Why am I not seeing God's best for my life? Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 45. As we already read earlier, we are redeemed from the curse of the law. And this is the part of chapter 28 that talks about the curse. But this also talks about an open door that can bring the curse into your life and gives the enemy access into your life. It says, moreover, all these curses shall come upon you and pursue you and overtake you till you be destroyed because you hearkened, you did not hear and obey, unto the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes which he commanded thee. And they shall be upon you a sign and for a wonder upon your seed forever. Why? Because you serve not the Lord your God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. So he's saying God has blessed you wonderfully. He's given you abundance, which is overflow. He's filled you to the full, to the overflow. But you're still upset that God tells you to live right. You're upset that God wants you to do these things. You're storming around, fine, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. You're obedient, but you're not willing. You're serving God, but you're not serving with joyfulness. You're not serving with gladness. You're doing what God wants you to do, but you're not joyful about it. And when you lose your joy, you open the door for the enemy to come on in. He's like, I don't know how the enemy is in my house. I'm doing everything God wants me to do, but you lost your joy. You lost your gladness. When you first got saved, you were happy to do things God wants you to do, even if it meant you weren't popular anymore. He's like, oh, it's worth being persecuted for Jesus. Now I'm like, well, I don't want to be talked about anymore. I've done that enough. You stop serving the Lord with joy and gladness. All right, it's got to come to church today. Where's the joy? Where's the gladness? Pastor says he needs everyone to serve and to volunteer. I guess I'll show up. Where's the joy? Where's the gladness? <sighs> I know I have to tithe because the Bible says tithe and the windows of heaven will be open, but I don't feel like tithing today. I'd rather spend this on a vacation. Where's the joy? Where's the gladness? Well, I know the Bible says to love my spouse, but they ain't acting lovable. Where's the joy? Where's the gladness? Oh, these kids are getting on my nerves. I am not their valet. I am not their taxi. They need their own Uber account. Where's the joy? Where's the gladness? My boss is getting on my nerves. He says, one more thing to me today. He's going to make me forget I ever make, met Jesus. Even though you believe for that job. Where's the joy? Where's the gladness? You may be doing everything right, but because you lost your joy and your gladness and you've got an attitude all the time, you've opened the door to the enemy. 
You got to get your joy back. You got to fix your attitude. Look at your neighbor and say, fix your attitude. Look at your other neighbor and say, fix your face. Now, let me talk to the husbands a little bit. Our face always gives us away. Even if we're not upset. We could have an unpleasant face, and we're not even thinking about the conversation. You could still be thinking about how the Falcons lost. And you're still upset, and your wife's trying to talk to you, and she's like, well, why is he looking so mean at me? Fix your face. It's a faith project. Work on it. Talk about the light of God, his countenance will shine upon your countenance. Jesus, help my face. Help. See, I'm going to do what you say, but my face needs to reflect it, Jesus. I need a divine intervention for my face. I'm smiling the best I know how. My tweak is twitching a little bit right now. I'm trying to keep the face, Jesus. Fix your attitude. Fix your face. And wives, be patient with them. It's harder than you believe. And then in general, a lot of us have face issues. Walk in love even with your face. If you're happy and you know it, tell your face. Joy, gladness, and fix your face. Now, just because you see your favorite brother and sister later on today and you know they have a face challenge, don't remind them of the message. Let the Holy Ghost work on them. (laughs) So you walking around with an attitude all the time and complaining, it's just like the children of Israel in the wilderness. It says they were murmuring and they were complaining. And when you study out that word murmuring, it means they would complain, murmur, and come to a stop. So they wouldn't go forward anymore because they're complaining, because they're murmuring. Has murmuring and complaining stopped you from receiving the God's best? Has murmuring and complaining kept you from going to the promised land? Is the promised land still on the horizon because you are still murmuring and complaining? Fix your attitude, fix your face, fix your mouth. Because, you know, we're all going, oh, it's so cold this week. I'm just ready for winter to be over. Spring gets here. You start sneezing. Oh, my God, I'm waiting for spring to leave. Oh, my gosh. All the cars are covered in yellow and green. Gets to summer. Oh, it's so hot. I can't wait for fall to come. Fall comes. Oh, it's almost winter. Where did my year go? <laughs> Fix your attitude. Fix your face. Watch your mouth. You have to be willing and obedient. Walking around with an attitude all the time and complaining opens the door for the enemy and the curse. You have to serve the Lord with joy and gladness. Go to Psalm 100. If you're happy and you know it, fix your face. I want all the husbands to sing it with me. If you're happy and you know it, fix your face. That was on like 10 of y'all. Let's try it again. Ready, set. If you're happy and you know it, fix your face. All right. Psalm 100. (laughs) Verse 1. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. So not a sad noise, not a whining noise, not a complaining noise, not oh my God noise. A joyful noise. All ye lands, serve the Lord with gladness and come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. 
It is he that has made us, not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts of praise. Not enter in whining, complaining, and murmuring. Enter in with thanksgiving and praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. Make joyful noise to God, not just in church. Even though some of y'all come to church with faces like, Minister Dathan, the praise team up here singing. Minister Dathan's jumping around, doing everything but a backflip, but you're still staring. I don't even like this song, Jesus. Minister Dathan's anointing is not to be the Holy Ghost aerobics leader. You should come into church with a reason to shout. You should come into church with a reason to praise. He shouldn't have to jump up here. Come on. Left, right, left, right. Move your feet. Clap your hands. No, you should be beating him to shouting out to God because God has been so good to you, and you're just so glad you're not going to devil's hell. You should come in every day with your voice lifting up to God, blessing his holy name, for he is good and his mercy endures forever. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Glory to God. Glory to God. Go to Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 8. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 8. So they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, which is the Tishthah, and Ezra, the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Well, they're reading the words of the law and they're realizing the reason why their life is going the way it is is because they're not doing right. They're realizing that God told us to do all these things and we're not. And so they're trying to repent. They're mourning and weeping. What are we going to do? We have messed it up big time. But the man of God says, stop crying. Stop weeping. Stop weeping. Then he said unto them, go your way, eat the fat, drink this week. A lot of us already have that down pat, a little bit too much. And send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry. Why? Say it with me. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Remember how we said earlier, God wants you to be strong? You're not going to be strong if you lose your joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I was looking up that word strength this morning. It also means rock and fortress. Your joy is a defense. If you lose your joy, you lose your defense. A tactic of the enemy to stop or slow down believers is to get them depressed and steal their joy. You have to understand Satan wants you depressed. So he will still, these are not even big demons, dude. these are small little imp demons that come around, try to hop on your shoulder, talk about all the bad things so you get sad. So you can lose your joy and be open for attack. If you're always feeling, woe is me, all these bad things are happening, just know it's the, de the demon working on you. Because these aren't just random thoughts. If it keeps repeating over and over and over, there is a deceiving lying spirit talking to you at that moment. Because the thing is, when we look at familiar spirits, all that means is they've watched your family and followed them for generations. They've learned what button to push. And once Satan learns what button to push to get you depressed, to get you out of faith, he is going to push that button all day long. Until you realize enough is enough. 
And so what do you do? He's like, no, I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking of things like pure, lovely, good report. Nope, I'm not thinking about all those bad things. Now, I'm not going back to the sunken place in my thoughts. No, I'm free from that. I'm out of Egypt. I'm out of Babylon. The joy of the Lord is my strength, my fortress, my defense. So I'm keeping my joy and gladness, and I'm going to do everything God has called me to with joy and gladness. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So you can't let your hands hang low and go right back to the sunken place. You may be living right, but you've been attacked by all sides of the enemy and feel like giving up. Don't give up. Philippians 1.25, let us know that faith has joy. Rejoicing is an expression of your faith. Galatians 5.23 and 22 lets us know that joy is a fruit of the Spirit. So joy is already in your spirit, but you must stir it up. It's like making Kool-Aid. Not normal Kool-Aid, the good Kool-Aid that has way too much sugar in it. This is way too much. Or sweet tea that's really extra, extra, extra sweet. Like, I don't know if you like it that way. That's how I like it. But putting all those materials in there, all the flavoring in there, but never stirring it. You drink it, it doesn't taste right. Now, you can stir it, but depending on what the drink is, it may go right back to the bottom after a while. You have to stir up that joy if you want that joy to work. How do you stir up the joy? By going over the scriptures about joy and rejoicing before God. Go to Philippians 4, verse 4. Philippians 4, verse 4. You have to stir up the joy. The joy of the Lord is your defense. We should be the most joyful, happiest people on the planet. The most positive, uplifting people on the planet, the most encouraging people on the planet, not the most depressed. It's time out for the children of God to stop looking like Eeyore. Walking around with their face down. Woe is me, nobody knows. The trouble I've seen, hey, Pooh Bear, nobody knows. Come on. Fix your attitude, fix your face, fix your mouth. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, read it with me. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. So stop having your head down, rejoice. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 says, rejoice evermore. So once you get it again, don't just rejoice on Sunday. Don't just rejoice when you come to church. Don't just rejoice when you feel like rejoice all the time. Let the praise of God be heard in your mouth. Let's go to Psalm 126 and finish here. Psalm 126. Rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. Psalm 126. Verse 1. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Why were they in captivity? They messed up. They got into the promised land. They stopped living right. So they're taken away in captivity for over 70 years. But God is faithful, and he turned their captivity. He says, when we came out of captivity, it was like we're walking in a dream world. Then was our mouth filled with what? And our tongue with what? Then said they among the heathen, the Lord has done great things for them. Has the Lord done great things for anybody? The Lord has done great things for us, whereof we are what? Then it says, turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. 
So although restoration has already begun, there were some still things being worked out. So here comes the prayer to turn it again. It says, they that sow in tears shall reap in what? Come on. The captivity hadn't been fully restored yet. But they're still sowing. They're not exactly where they want to be. But they know as they sow, by the time the harvest gets here, there will be joy. What is that? Faith. He that goes forth and weeps, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again with what? Bringing his sheaves with him. You have to get your joy back. You see what God began to do at the end of last Sunday's experience? The fire of God began to move among us. He began to clean, to cleanse, to get us ready. But he couldn't go further because not everyone had given that full yes yet. And some of you still have to give that full yes today. But God doesn't want you falling over the altar crying and snotting and boohooing. Because godly sorrow does lead to repentance, and there's a time for that. But that's not today. Why? The joy of the Lord is your strength. So that means you should smile. That means you should be happy. That means you should laugh. <laughs> so I don't feel like laughing. Laugh anyways. What is that? Faith. Joy is an expression of your faith. So laugh with me. <laughs> like, Pastor, you don't know what type of week I had. That's why you really need to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, laugh with me. <laughs> the joy of the Lord is your strength. <laughs> Do you know what Paul called ministers? Helpers of your joy. So that means you got to laugh some more. You have to rejoice. You have to sing. Not just in the house of God, but every day. But the house of God is a good place to start. So stand to your feet. <laughs> it's like, Pastor, that's not dignified. Look. I just spent three days with generals of the faith. Brother Copeland himself was rolling on the ground laughing. And if that blessed man of God has a reason to rejoice and be undignified, so do you. So let's start it with this way. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. pretty good. But some of y'all need to tell your face you're making a joyful noise. So let's try that again. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Hallelujah! Glory to God. Glory to God. <laughs> that felt really good. Let's do it one more time. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. <laughs> and joy is an expression of your faith. So begin to laugh by faith. Come on, laugh with me. <laughs> like pastor, is this really in the Bible? Yes, Acts chapter 2. When the Holy Ghost came, 
they're all filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke in another tongue. But then it says that people thought they were drunk. You don't think people are drunk because they're talking another language. Because after that, it says the apostles stood up. Why do they have to stand up? They're on the ground, drunk in the Holy Ghost. See, some of y'all turn to alcohol and weed when you should drink from the Holy Ghost. It says, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. You can't drink with your mouth closed. You drink by speaking the word. You drink by praising. You drink by laughing. This life was not meant to go through sober. You got to get some joy. You got to get some new wine in you. So laugh with me again. <laughs> Dude, you're looking way too serious, man. <laughs> Come here, Sister Londa. <laughs> Drink again. Ha! <laughs> Ha <laughs> 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 ha Oh glory to God Like pastor what are you doing just listening for the Holy Ghost <laughs> Come on, laugh with me. Deacon, come here. I want you to lead us in a laugh. Can you give him a mic, please? You see, we have people lead in singing in the word. Go ahead and laugh. going, well, what's going on as the joy of God moves? The fire of the Holy Ghost is moving. It's strengthening for days ahead. It's removing things that need to be removed. So ha, ha, ha. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye land. Hallelujah! Glory to God. Woo! <laughs> 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 
some of y'all looking like this is not about to be me on the ground. Pastor, hurry up and dismiss church because I don't want to be rolling around. You don't know how much I spent on my hair this week. You see, when they had festivals in the Old Testament, they said you would never know joy until you went to one of those festivals. And the people who were the most joyful, the most ridiculous, were the ones who were the most blessed. And the people who weren't joyful, looking dignified, were the ones known as the poor and the broke. I just don't want you to look undignified in here. I don't want you to look poor. I don't want you to look broke. I want you to look like the blessing of God has been working on your life. So before we end, I want to give you one more opportunity to laugh, to rejoice, to dance before God. Are you ready? Said, are you ready? Said, are you ready? Ready? Ghost in fire, a fullness overflowing glory. Keep the joy of God in your heart. Rejoice before God always. Live free of the sunken place. Cross the horizon and get the promised land. One more time, shout hallelujah! Say, My God is good. Say, my God is good, and his mercy endures.
time. My God is good. And his mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Is there someone in here, you may have came after you laid hands on the sick, that you got a doctor's report recently and they said there's a tumor somewhere. Is there anyone in here that's, that's the report? Wave at me. They found a tumor somewhere. Is there someone in here? Wave at me if that's you. They found a tumor somewhere. Glory to God. Pray in the Holy Ghost for a moment. That you wave at me so I can pray for you. Oh, glory to God. Oh, glory to God. Oh, glory to God. People are being healed right now. Glory to Jesus. Set free from depression. Oh, mercy, Jesus. Thank you for your mercy. I am your joy, and I am your strength. Rejoice before me every day and see my victory manifest for you in every way. Don't be down anymore. Don't be depressed anymore. And dare not go back to that sunken place. Rejoice before me every day, and my joy will take you up, up, up. And you'll see, yes, fullness overflowing glory. Well, my glory will keep lifting you up, 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 and up. He said, well, how far will it go? It'll keep going up until you arrive before my throne. So rejoice before me every single day. Let my joy be your strength. Never, never, never let the devil get you down again because I've given you the victory and I always cause you to triumph. And again, I say rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. We thank you for tongues and interpretation, sir. Given for edification and exhortation in your Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Where's that mama at who walked in on the cane? Where is she? I saw her a little bit earlier. Where is she seated? Someone ushers, tell me where she is. All right, you stay where you are. I'm coming to you. So I'm praying the Holy Ghost for a moment. Worship you, Jesus. We thank you for visiting your people today. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I hope you enjoyed today's message. 
We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.